God, are you sure about that? I mean, I was a little shaken up because I was like, you know, I want to really give this across because we've heard this story that I'm about to give you today. I've heard it many times in my life. And some of you may have never heard it before. But sometimes God just breaks things down in a different way. And as I was getting ready to come to speak it, every bit of what God had spoken in my message was already done almost in what happened in worship. He was presetting your heart for his word. He's perfect like that. Amen. So what's crazy is the past several weeks, we've been, or well, actually months, we've been in a series, I'm pulling up some of my notes here, sorry. Uh, we've been in a series called uh, We Declare War, if you see it. We Declare War, it started last August. We declared war on the enemy. No longer can he have our families. No longer can he have our home. No longer can he have our government. No longer can he have where we are. No longer, no longer can he have our finances. No longer can he steal our peace. No longer can he steal our joy. No longer can he hold us in anxiety or depression or fear. Nothing is going to continue to hold us back because we are strapping up for God for war. And we've broken this down into several different sections. And the past section has been on forgiveness, and we titled it Dropping the F-Bomb. Because we believe that forgiveness is like the, atom, the atomic bomb that just dropped and annihilated the enemy. Forgiveness. If it wasn't the one main ingredient, then why would Jesus go to the cross to give it to us? Why did it matter so much? Why was that one key ingredient the key that changed everything? Why is forgiveness such a big deal? Because it's our biggest arsenal that we have. Not only by forgiving others and asking for forgiveness for yourself. Forgiveness is key. And we've been talking the last couple weeks on unforgiveness. I'm not talking about that today, but I just want to remind you, I love something that Pastor Brandon spoke on. I'm proud of that man of God. I'm proud that he's mine. I love him with all my heart, and I am thankful to serve on him. He said, unforgiveness is unforgivable. And that's the word of God. If you don't forgive, you cannot be forgiven. It's scripture. We didn't make that up. He spoke on increasing your faith by surrendering what you are trying to control in your life and truly digging up the roots of bitterness and unforgiveness. And as I begin to think about roots, I begin to think about forgiveness and unforgiveness. There's one area that I believe that all of us struggle very greatly in with forgiveness. And it has to do with self. A lot of us have a struggle forgiving ourselves. We carry a lot of guilt and a lot of shame. We carry it around and we wear it like a new outfit. Self-forgiveness is the hardest to come by. But today, come on, somebody say today. Today. Today I believe that God wants us to drop the F-bomb on ourselves and allow If you're with me today, again, say today. Today. All right. 
I want you to read with me and go with me to Luke chapter 15, verses 11 through 24 in the Passion. Translation is what I'm reading it from, but I want you to read with I want you to read with me, following along. And this is the story that we probably heard about. If you haven't heard it, well, you want to hear it today. This is about the prodigal son. But God broke it down to me in a completely different way. Okay? So I want to read it to you. It says, this is verse 1. Verses 1, 11, I mean 11 to 24, sorry. It says, the younger son came to his father and said, Father, don't you think it's time to give me my share of your estate? So the father went ahead and distributed between the two sons their inheritance. And shortly afterward, the younger son packed up all his belongings and traveled off to see the world. He journeyed to a far-off land where the, he soon wasted all he was given in a binge of extravagant and reckless living. How many of you know you've been there before? Extravagant and reckless living. I, I can cheer myself on for that one. Extravagant and reckless living. With everything he spent and nothing left, he grew hungry because there was a severe famine in the land. So he begged a farmer in the country to hire him. And the farmer hired him and sent out, him out to feed the pigs. And the son was so famished, he was willing even to eat the slop given to the pigs because no one would feed him a thing. Humiliated, the son finally realized what he was doing. And he thought, there are many workers at my father's house who have all the food that they want with plenty of spare and they lack nothing. Why am I here dying of hunger, feeding these pigs and eating their slop? I want to go back home to my father's house and I'll say to him, Father, I was wrong. I have sinned against you and I'll never again be worthy to call, be called your son of one of your employees. Father, just treat me like one of your employees. So the young son sent out for home, and from a long distance away, his father saw him coming, dressed as a beggar, and great compassion swelled up in his heart for his son who was returning home. The father raced out to meet him, swept him up in his arms, hugged him dearly, and kissed him over and over with tender love. And then the son said, Father, I was wrong. I've sinned against you. I could never deserve to be called your son. Just let me be. And the father interrupted and he said, Son, you're now home. Turning to his servants, he said, Quick, bring me the best robe, my very own robe, and I will place it on his shoulders. Bring the ring, the seal of sonship, and I will put it on his finger. And bring out the best shoes you can find for my son. For my beloved son was once dead, but now he's alive. Once he was lost, but now he is found. And everyone is celebrated with overjoy, overflowing joy. You're thinking, well, how does this have anything to do with forgiving self? I mean, it's really about Jesus finding the lost. But I believe you're lost when you don't have forgiveness for yourself. Now, how do we release self-forgiveness? And I have five points, and these are very key, and I'm going to go through them. And I'm telling you, it's going to change your life. And God spoke to me verse by verse in this. Verses 14 through 16 say it this way. With everything he spent and nothing left, he grew hungry because there was a severe famine in the land, so he begged a farmer in that country to hire him. And the farmer hired him and sent him out to feed the pigs. And the son was so famished, he was willing to even eat the slop given to the pigs because no one would feed him a thing. 
forgiveness. Number one, don't wallow. What do pigs do? They wallow. They wallow in the mud, in their mess, in the yuck, in the slop. They roll around in it, and they ain't never going to change because they're happy there. And guess what? They've got a whole piggy party celebrating them because the rest of the family is doing the same thing for them and with them. Don't wallow. The inability to forgive yourself can cause you to wallow in guilt and shame. When you are unable to forgive yourself, it causes you to wallow in your guilt and shame. It causes you to roll around in it. You're saying, well, I don't roll around in my guilt. Yes, you do. Your thoughts roll around in your mind constantly. Constantly. They replay things over and over and over and over and over again. What's sad about it is you are the one who can control pressing play. Don't wallow. Wallow means this. I looked this up in the dictionary. I'm all about words, so, and this is all about words anyway, so here we go. Wallow. To seem to enjoy being sad. Especially because you desire sympathy from other people. Read that. That means you enjoy feeling sorry for yourself. Because it means that that's where you get attention. When you wallow, you get the attention that you're looking for. It's to roll in the mud like the pigs. When you wallow in your self-pity, it causes you to beg for something that you already received. Forgiveness was given to us when Jesus died on the cross. And when you accept him in your heart, you receive that forgiveness. But why don't we accept it? We, we can say we're so excited that God forgives us, but when we walk out, we still walk in guilt and shame and think that he's still holding everything against us on a chart just like we have for other people who held things, who we're holding things against. Newsflash, God doesn't act like you. He wants you to act like him. You wallow in self-pity. It causes you to beg for something you already received. This young man had food and drink and things that he needed to survive at his father's house. And instead of accepting what his father had, he wanted something else and began to wallow in his self-pity, starving and begging for the attention. Which was something the father already gave. Isn't it funny that we want something bad enough, but most time when we get it, we're still not happy with it? I looked this up, and I was doing a study, and Fred Luskin, he's a psychologist, and he said it like this. It's not just that we feel bad because we know we've done wrong, but some of us actually draw those bad feelings around ourselves like a blanket, cover our heads, and refuse to stop Wailing. He also stated that some of us try to use these bad feelings to ward off the consequences of our actions. We can curl up in a ball and say, hey, look how bad I feel. See how I'm suffering? I'm pitiful. I'm pathetic. I can't, I can't be punished any more than this. It wouldn't be fair. 
What he's saying is that we can use self-pity, our unforgiveness in self, to begin to have a pity party so that others feel bad enough for us so that we don't have to own up, show up, and grow up.
In one case, in reality, yes, that is true. You are enough because God does love you. But if we have to go on constantly proving that we are enough, he will never be enough to fulfill you, to make you enough. We don't have to prove anything. He's enough. And that's what makes us who we are today. Because of who he is. Not because of what we've done or who we are. Because we don't deserve it. So quit trying to prove to yourself that you even deserve it. You don't. Deal with it. And just be responsible enough to say, God, I am coming humbly before your throne. Forgive me for what I've done. And I'll go lay it all down. I can't keep walking around and carrying this dead body with me everywhere I go. Because I'm getting a little tired. Humility is the beginning to releasing guilt and shame. It's the beginning. I believe in the scripture somewhere it says pride comes before a fall. But when you lower yourself, lower you before God, that's when he'll exalt you. Number three. Don't overtalk God. Can anybody be honest in this room that you like to get the last word? If I didn't raise my hand, I'd probably lie. I'm just going to say it. Especially at home. It's worse when you have two people that really like to get the last word. So there's never a last word. It's like this. And that, you know, I'm saying you just go back because you let them say what they got to say and you walk up for a minute and you're like, oh, I got something else to say. <laughs> and then shut the door real quick because you can't hear me. You know, it's kind of funny we do that with God. We argue with God about everything. Why? What? When? Where? How? Are we there yet, God? <laughs> When's it going to happen? Well, I'm sorry, I didn't do this right, and I'm never going to be this, and this is never going to happen, and I'm never going to live up to what you say, God. And I did this when I was 10, and now it's just follow me for the rest of my life and it's made everything that I do do the same thing and I'm just going to keep living it and wearing it and now I'm cozied up in it because everybody else loves me for my guilt and shame and not who I'm really meant to be. Verse 21, I love what it says in verse 21. He says, then the son said, Father, this is when he went home, he said, then the son said, Father, I was wrong, I sinned against you. I have never deserved to be called your son. Just let me be. Do you see that little? You know what that means? That meant God was like, shh. You know what I'm saying? That's the father just cut him off. The father just cut him off and said to him, it says the father interrupted and said, son, you're home now. He was just like, shh. I don't care about all that. Son, you're home now. 
talk to themselves. I do sometimes if I get a little busy and go and I have to tell my thoughts out loud or they get a little bit jumbled in what's going on. Now I know that I'm old enough I just write them down. It just has to work that way. But the fact that it is is a lot of us talk to ourselves in our mind and repeat the things. Like I said, you play the movie over and over of the things that you've done. You know, how can God ever love me? How can he truly ever forgive me? I'll never be enough. I'll never deserve his love. And we begin to talk in circles around God. And he says, you are loved. You are my child. I forgive you. I give you my grace. I give you my hope, my joy. But see, we don't hear that because we're too busy flapping our flapjacks. We just talk too much. We don't listen to what the Father's saying. Can I tell you something today? God is not your enemy. And he is not here to be the one throwing your past in your face. He's not your enemy. You do not have to continue to advocate to the Father on your behalf. You are not the Holy Spirit. Stop defending yourself and start depending on God. Stop defending yourself and start depending on God. He's the greatest advocate that you'll ever have. God doesn't need your closing arguments to prove your innocence. I don't know why we all think that he gave us lawyer degrees. You know? Like we're, we're coming before the judge and jury and have to give our closing arguments of why we don't need to be convicted of our crime. And what's funny is he already wrote out the judgment and said not guilty and you're not listening. You're not listening. And so what happens is your inability to forgive yourself causes you to continue to create the same mistakes. Because you're living in a cycle of unforgiveness. And guess what unforgiveness is for? You know what I'm saying? When you, when you live in a life of sin, you, you are living in a life that is separated from God. So you don't have forgiveness yet. So what you are telling to yourself is, God, I love you and I want to serve you, but I'm going to live separated from you. Because I can't believe in your forgiveness. But he wants to forgive you. He wants to overwhelm you with his love. You just have to accept it. You just have to stop and hear what the Father has to say. Because to all those people in this room that like to get the last word, guess what? He gets the last word. He always does. And he always will. And just like he said on that cross 2,000 years ago, it is finished. He says it again to you today. It is finished. Number four. Change your clothes. Change your clothes. Verses 20 and 22 say it this way. So the young son set off for home from a long distance away. His father saw him coming dressed as a beggar. 
And great compassion swelled up in his heart for his son, who was returning home. And the father raced out to meet him, swept him up in his arms, hugged him dearly, and kissed him over and over with tender love. Turning to his servants, the father said, Quick, bring me the best robe, my very own robe, and I will place it on his shoulders. Bring the ring, the seal of sonship, and I will put the ring on his finger. And bring out the best shoes you can find for my son. Walking around in unforgiveness is like walking around in grave clothes. The son was dressed as a beggar. This means he walked around deprived, destitute, exhausted, feeling dirty, in shame, in lack. Do any of you feel that way? I just can't measure up. I just can't get enough. Sometimes you feel like you've got that cup in your hand, asking God if he can spare some change. Asking God if he can just spare some change for your life. And you know what's funny? Is he said, change is at hand if you'll just take mine. Change is at hand if you'll just take mine. I will turn your life around. You will have more than you ever thought if you just take my hand. Quit holding your cup out, wondering if I'm going to fill it when I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. And I am the one that will fulfill all your needs and can come and forgive you all your sins. You are exhausting yourself living like that. Take a lesson from Jesus. Walk out of your great clothes. John chapter 20, verses 1 through 7. And the Passion say it this way. Very early Sunday morning before sunrise, Mary Magdalene made her way to the tomb. And when she arrived, she discovered that the stone that sealed the entrance to the tomb was moved away. So she went running as fast as she could to, could to go tell Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, she told them, they've taken the Lord's body from the tomb, and we don't know where it is. Then Peter and the other disciple jumped up and ran to the tomb to go see for themselves. They started out together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He didn't enter the tomb, but he peeked in and saw only linen clothes lying there. And then Peter came behind him and went right in the tomb, and he too noticed the linen clothes lying there. But the burial cloth that had been on Jesus' head had been rolled up and placed separate from the other clothes. Do you realize that even Jesus, who carried the weight of your sin and 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 everybody else's sins from 2,000 years ago, compiled to the people thousands years later, however long he's going to wait to return, he carried every single one of them and the guilt and the shame that you feel he felt and even Jesus Christ realized the power of resurrection and instead of walking out in his grave clothes, he left them where they belong and he kept them in the tomb and he walked out a new man in the resurrection of Jesus Christ and that's where we have to be. Change your clothes. That's good. Come on. 
robber. Why? Because a grave robber is a thief. It's still something that was dead. Something that was left behind. Because you are wearing something that was already bought and paid for. And it wasn't paid for by you. It was paid for by God.
Turn it around and run to the Father and allow Him to clothe you with His robe of salvation and righteousness. 
gave them sandals. Sandals, you know what they represent? That you're God's child. How? How to put it on shoes represent God's child. Because only servants in the Bible didn't wear shoes. Only servants who served the family didn't wear shoes. And when he told his father, just treat me like one of your employees, God's like, uh-uh, I'm going to put shoes on you because you're my son. You are my child, and you are not a servant. Yes, I want you to serve me with your whole heart, and I want you to love me. That's what God's saying. But you are not a servant. You are not a slave to sin any longer. Put on your shoes. Maybe the reason your past is bothering you so bad is because you haven't girded up your feet, and they are too sensitive to everything going on around you. to just be loved. Can you pick on Verse 24 says it this way. 
want to just be loved. For my beloved son was once dead, but now he's alive. Once he was lost, but now he is found. And everyone celebrated with overflowing joy. I love it that if we go back where Jesus cut, you know, not Jesus, but the father cut the son off. And he said, just let me be. And God, you know, the, the father just cut him off. That's what God wants to do to you is just cut you off. And what's funny is down here he says, for my beloved son. One thing we talked about in some of our ladies, in our last ladies, just be get together gathering, was that we hit on one of that key words was it says beloved. And what God wrote down in that section was be loved. Be loved. Just be loved. When you begin to be loved by God, your perspective of who you are begins to change along with how you carry yourself. Choosing to be loved by God means you are not lost, but you're found. God said this, you will never fully love yourself until you learn to be loved by me. You can ask for all the forgiveness for your guilt and shame in the world, but until you learn to be loved by God, to accept that undeserved, unconditional love, that there's nothing you will ever be able to do to earn it. Please get it into your heads. You cannot do anything to earn God's love. It was already freely given, so just freely receive it. That's it. What part of free don't you get? Dad gets it. He always does it. If it's free, it's for me. But you know what? You know what's so awesome about that? Is we laugh and we joke about that. But even in his heart, as a father, I think he truly understands the love of Jesus Christ. And that it's free. And that's for me. I don't have to do one thing to try to work for it. Yes, we have to daily work out our salvation and walk it out. That means that being a Christian can be hard work sometimes, which it seems like an oxymoron, like it doesn't make any sense. But the part of it is, is anything good and worthwhile in your life is worth working hard for. Amen. Good. So why are you wasting all of your energy wrapping yourself up in your grave clothes? And you are exhausted by the time that you come to the presence of the Father because you've spent all your time carrying the chains of your past. Step out of your grave clothes. Step out of your grave clothes. Stand with me this morning. It is not easy to forgive ourselves. And let me tell you what. We all can count on our hands and our toes a thousand times all the things that we've probably done wrong. Okay? And guess what? There's no perfect person in this room, so there's a good possibility. I'm just saying. Small one. That you might do something that's not good today. This is just a chance. I mean, you know, the kids that get on your nerves and then you just want to yell. And then you realize that God won't talk to him like that. Yeah. 
Or, you know, somebody cuts you off in traffic and you realize God would have slowed down to let him in. Good. See, we can end our days looking at all the things that we've done wrong. Or we can live our lives with the one thing that we've done right, which is We're going to pray with you. 
because we're not leaving it with you. Because I thought the word of God said where two or more are gathered in my midst. There I am. I'm going to have them come up to you. They're going to take your hands as well. And we're going to pray with you. So everybody bow your head. We're going to repeat after me. God, I come to you today. Humble and broken. I came to you. Came to you as a beggar. As a beggar. But I know, but I know that I'm leaving. That I'm leaving as your child. As your child. I thank you. I thank you for your robe of righteousness. For your robe of righteousness and salvation. And salvation. I thank you. I thank you that you place a ring on my heart. A ring on my heart. To seal me. To seal me with your love. With your love. And I praise you. That you put my shoes, my shoes back on my feet. Back on my feet. That I am fitted. That I am fitted with the gospel. With the gospel of peace. Of peace. I receive. I receive. And I believe. And I believe. In your love. In your love. And the gift you gave. The gift you gave. On the cross. On the cross. And I accept. And I accept your salvation. Your salvation. I am yours. I am yours. And you are mine. And you are mine. And I'm going to shout. Yes. Hallelujah.